to pitch. Swing and a miss. Ducked him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of It's Wednesday, February 1st, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by ShopForKisses.org, the online shopping network of the Kisses for Kyle Foundation. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And Chet, we have a full show again tonight with Calkins Media's Tom Moore, former Villanova star and President Atlanta sports personality Brian Finnernan, Fred Hugo will be here with his Super Bowl 51 breakdown, Carl's Cards of Collectibles trivia. Oh, yes, and a new random QT seg- Q2 segment that you're going to spring on me tonight, along with some <laughs> Hockey 100. You are listening live from the Philly Press Box Radio Arena in Hamilton, New Jersey. That's one other thing I forgot to mention. We... Uh, want to touch on the fact that it was Brent Musburger calling the final game of his long career Tuesday night, and I thought we should squeeze in a quick tribute to Brent, so there it was. Now back to our regular programming, Bill. Yeah, well, there you go. So, hey, <laughs> let's get this thing rolling. We, have our, we will have our Carl's Cards and Collectibles trivia question tonight about 721. Uh, this will be the last call to give away the two signed 8x10 color photos of two-time Stanley Cup champions Bobby the Chief Taylor and Terry Crisp. Uh, they were both signed at Carl's Cards and Collectibles in Havertown. We certainly appreciate Carl donating them to us. The shop for Kisses.org phone line to answer that trivia question will be 929-477-2855. That's 929-477-2855. And Chet, unless you have been off the planet for the last week, you will know this answer. Yeah, we are counting on our listeners to grab these picks tonight because, you know, frankly, although they are great guys, I'm tired of looking at the Chief and CRISPR. So come on, everybody. Call in, win those prizes. All right. Well, hey, with that business taken care of, let's welcome Calkins Media's Tom Moore back to Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. Tom, welcome. How you doing tonight, guys? Fantastic. We are awesome. Hey, Tom, thanks for making another visit to the show, and here's how you know we love having you on with us. You're one of four members of Philly Press Box Radio's Five Timers Club. In fact, this is your sixth time on the show, so thanks again for coming back. All right? Oh, you're welcome. I, I was going to say, I thought last time was the fifth, but I wasn't positive, so uh, yep. that, sound, that, sound, that jibes with what I recall. Yep, number six. And I'm in a goofy mood tonight. It is Super Bowl week. The Sixers are looking like a real NBA team, so... Before we get to the Sixers, I, I got to get this question out of the way. Where do you stand on the big uh, dispute between the war of words? I guess it is between Charles Barkley and LeBron James. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 a it's a strange thing, um, you know, with the with the two of them, and then of course once it gets started, neither one's going to back down. And Barkley says, "I'm just." you know, doing my job. I'm not here to be a cheerleader. I got to criticize when I see, you know, when I see it, uh, when you, when I see it, uh, something that needs, you know, needs to be said, I guess he kind of took uh, Barkley took him to task for, you know, saying, you know, for being upset that he didn't have enough help that he wanted to, you know, a backup point guard, yep. et cetera. And, and I guess Barkley kind of took him to task there. And then LeBron must've Googled Barkley cause he said, you know, he started, uh, uh, listing some of Charles' greatest achievements, like throwing somebody through a, a wall, uh, a glass partition at a bar in uh, Milwaukee, and spitting on a fan in New Jersey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really understand why it's such a big deal. I don't know why, you know, either one sort of could be the, you know, the bigger man about it. I, I really don't, you know, Bar- that's the way Barkley is, but. Uh, you know, people, people, and especially in this day and age, do not like to be criticized. So mm-hmm. um, you understand with LeBron. So I, I really don't have a strong feel, you know, strong. I'm not leaning strongly either way. I got you. 
Just wanted to get that out the way. Now let's get to those 76ers, winners of 11 of their last 16, believe it or not. They've got that log jam up front with Joel Embiid, Nerlens Noel, Rashawn Holmes, and the guy who led them in scoring a year ago as number three overall draft pick, Jaleel Okafor, who's racked up a bunch of DNPs lately. We are three weeks from the trade deadline, Tom. How's it all going to play out? Yeah, very interesting. I guess it's three weeks from tomorrow. It's February 23rd. Um, yep. You know, I, logically, people think, well, you know, Okafor is the one to go uh, because he doesn't seem to fit. He's not as athletic. He doesn't defend the way, you know, the Sixers would like. Uh, but Nerlens Noel is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of this year, and somebody could throw a lot of money at him, and the Sixers would have three days to match. I mean, what if? What if a team throws seventy million dollars over four years at him, which could happen? Well, yeah. what will the Sixers do? Because if you, it's not like baseball and, and and the NFL where you don't get a draft pick in return or anything like that. If you lose them, you know, you lose them for nothing. Um, so, you know, Brian Colangelo insists he's not going to make a bad deal, and uh, you know, if he if he if he isn't willing to take you know sixty cents on the dollar unless there's an injury or something funky happens, you know, it seem, would seem to be a good chance that he doesn't make a deal, at least now, and then waits to the, you know, to the draft in June and hopes that he can get more or combine it with a draft pick or whatever. Interesting. Well, Tom, in that mix, is Rashawn Holmes really, really a player in that mix, or is it the big three and him, or, or is, he a, is he a viable NBA player? I mean, I think he's a viable – I think he's like a third – I think he's a, you know, legitimate, like, third big man. Um, he played very well the two games last week, especially that come from behind, you know, win over the Clippers where they were down 19 in the third and outscored the Clippers 62 to 32. The rest of the way, he was fantastic that night, had a lot of energy, shot eight for 11. But then uh, two games ago uh, in Chicago, he, was, he, he just didn't have it. He was two for eight. He had one rebound in 22 minutes. So I think you know, I think right now he's fine as as a third guy, but I don't know that you know if he's your backup center playing sixteen to twenty minutes a night at this point, maybe that might be a little bit too much too fast. But I mean, he's certainly a guy that could become a backup. Um, he's not a real good rebounder, but he's just super athletic and he's a good jumper. Um, he's a pretty good shot blocker. So um, you know, and he's on a rookie. He's on a very favorable contract. So. He's a guy that I could see sticking around and, you know, potentially, if not next year, maybe the year after, uh, depending on what happens, you know, he could become that primary backup guy. All right. Now we need to know, what are you hearing, Tom, on the Ben Simmons front? I have tickets for the February 24th game, the first game after the All-Star break. So feel free to tell me that that's the night he'll make his long-awaited pro debut. (laughs) Well, I mean – that that doesn't sound. I mean, my my assumption and and the way things are going, barring a major setback or whatever, I would think that he plays somewhere toward the end of February. Um, uh, he has not you know, scrimmage five on five yet, et cetera. But um, yeah, I mean, I I could see if not then, you know, in that neighborhood, you know, within a week or so. Um, I think he really wants to play, um, and I think the Sixers really want him to play too. I think it's important because um, if you, uh, you know, if you have two top ten picks in the draft, which they could this year, uh, between the Lakers pick and then the better of their pick and the King the Kings pick, they have an option to swap swap first rounders with Sacramento uh, this year. If you um, if you you know, and there's a lot of good point guards and guards in the draft. I think you need to know what Ben Simmons, how, what, where he likes to play. If, he, if he's going to be a point guard or a point forward and have the ball in his hands, I think in a month to six weeks, if he plays, um, you would have a pretty good idea if, if a combo guard would complement him better or maybe even an off guard and he's the point guard, at least on offense. So I think that would give you enough time. I think he'll be on a minutes restriction. He may not play back-to-back games right away. But I think you, you'll have enough time to get a sense of really ideally how, how he would be best used and where he's most comfortable on the court. Well, Tom, you know, as we're talking about the trade deadline and, and you know, in the bigs, obviously, but there were some stories out uh, in the last couple of days where McConnell was sought after possibly by Cleveland and, and now we've signed a backup 
uh, uh, elderly guard. I'll call him an elder, elderly guard a little bit. If you're Chase going to put a trade, yeah. If you're going to put a trade together, what are you looking for? Are you looking for veteran players? You've got a whole pile full of draft picks, or do you keep pushing draft picks further out? What What do you go after to make this thing turn the corner? Yeah, I think there. I think Brian Colangelo was looking for um, players that he thinks could help. You know, down the road, that could be part of a rotation. Let's say in two years, when the Sixers are hopefully are a you know forty plus win team and a you know a playoff team and potentially a you know maybe even pushing toward a top four seed if all goes well in the conference. Um, I think they're wary. I mean, he's willing to spend money and he's willing you know to to, to hand out big money for a contract, but it's got to be a guy who he thinks is really going to be a difference maker. Um, so, uh, and I think draft picks, I mean, you sort of can never have too many draft picks. You can always combine draft picks. You know, if you have two, uh, if you have a number 10 and a number 18, maybe you could combine them and get number six or seven, you know, something like that. So I think he's looking for anything, you know, he's looking for, I, I mean, at this point, I don't see them like trying to get a veteran to help them with the playoff push this year. I just don't think that's realistic with Embiid's situation, and he's unlikely to in, increase from 28 minutes or play back-to-backs the rest of the way. And there's, I think there's eight sets of back-to-backs, if I'm not mistaken, left this season. So, you know, it's going to be tough to put anything together to, uh, you know, um, without him um, in those games. And they have a lot of road games. I believe it's 20 of the next 30 are on the road. So, you know, they're really entering a tough stretch here. Um so I think he, I think all, you know, all, all options are open. I think he's looking at everything, but I think it's more, you know, in two years who can help us, or maybe somebody's undervalued on a team that could get on a favorable rookie contract, take a look at for a, a, a year and a couple months or whatever, and see if this guy, you know, can help them going forward. Tom, in addition to the log jam among the bigs, there are a slew of guards on this team. TJ, Gerald, Sergio, Nick, Timote. Uh, Bill mentioned Jason Randall just signed that three-year deal. Then there's the injured Jared Bayless. Which guys among those are the keepers? Who's going to be here for the long term? Yeah, well, um, Rodriguez is only on a one-year deal. So I, He's I, gone. You know, I wouldn't be su- right, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes. I mean, I, Offensively, he's a pretty good passer, but he is not a good defender. Um, he really gets beat a lot. Henderson has a two-year deal, but the second year is a team option. Um, uh, I mean, un- unless you get somebody in the draft who you really like, which could happen, perhaps you don't exercise that. But I think Brett Brown does like him, um, his sort of veteran presence, steadiness, and he likes using him at the end of games on both ends of the court. So I think there's a decent chance he's back. McConnell, I could see being kind of a backup point guard. I don't, you know, going forward, especially whether well whether Simmons is is the is the point on offense or whether he plays the three or whatever they, you know, whatever they do with him, you're going to need a backup point guard if the if the guy they get in the draft, let's say, is a combo guard or a Jared Bayless type, who you know, can play off the ball and also handle it a little bit. Um, I think McConnell's got a chance to stick. Luwabu, I think they like. I think he's very athletic. I think he's he gets a little lost on offense sometimes, but I yeah. think that he, uh, you know, he could be a keeper long time. He's very athletic. He's got to develop his three point shooting a little bit, but you know, he looks like a guy who could be a uh, core player in two or three years. So they, you're right; they do have a lot of guards, and there may be a numbers, you know, there could be a numbers situation really as soon as next year. You know, depending on if they get one guard in the draft or or you know make a move or a trade or whatever. There could be a lot of guards here. You're right, and Stauskas too. You know, who's been starting and playing very well. So they yep. do have a, you know, they do have a lot of uh, a lot of backcourt players. No stars at this point, um, but a lot of you know quality NBA guys. Tom, basically at the at the midseason mark, the Sixers were 15 and 27, 42 out of the 82. So very close to midseason. Is it? Uh, is it reasonable to think that they can win another 15? They won three of their first five off the second half going by that way. Uh, can they be a 30-35 win team when this is all said and done this year? I think possibly a 30-win team, but I would say more probably in the high 20s just for the reasons that you know I talked about earlier with 
you know, Embiid being out and not playing in the back-to-backs and having a bunch of um, – have another West Coast trip coming up, have a four-game trip starting tonight. Um, place They have some really good teams that they're going to play coming up at home and on the road. Um, but, yeah, I mean, think about it. They were 10-5 and five in January, and they won 10 games all of last season. That's their first winning month since, since November of 2012. So uh, Scott Brooks of Scott Brooks of the Wizards was named the coach of the month, um, and I, I believe the, I believe they won uh, twelve or thirteen games. But I and and Washington did not lose at home all month. Brett Brown, um, you know, was nominated, and certainly you know, considering where they've been to have a month like that and to win ten games, um, you know, really is a is a huge step in the right direction. Yeah, they're certainly blowing through our predictions. I think you went with like 18. Bill and I were both right around 20 to 22, so definitely doing better than we thought. Let's turn our attention to the Eagles for just a couple of minutes, Tom. How do you see them using that first-round pick, which will be either number 14 or 15, in terms of position that they'll target? I don't believe they're going to take the best player on the board given their dire needs. What do you see them doing with that first pick? I mean, I think they'll prioritize. You know, the, they'll have a list and the best player at different positions. I think you can kind of – I think you can take a best player available, but sort of at a, you know, as long as they're close at a particular position. I mean, I guess if somebody, you know, they have rated sixth on their board, it's still there. Um, um, And it's at a position where they're, you know, where they're seemingly solid. Um, I guess they could do it. Look at Jordan Hicks, you know, uh, um, that linebacker. Everyone said, why are you taking him? And he turned out to be their, you know, he was their best linebacker as a rookie. Mm Mm-hmm you know, and then got hurt and had another really good year this year. So, um, I mean, they have, they have a lot of need positions, you know, pass rusher, uh, defensive end, obviously receiver, cornerback, um, off, you know, probably an offensive lineman they could use running, running back. I mean, there's a lot of areas where they could, you know, where they, they need help. So I think, you know, I think that, um, you know, certainly one of those positions, there'll be somebody they like on the board, at least one person at that point. Hey, Tom, I've been asking all of our guests this since the season ended, and I, I want to get your take as well. Uh, the Eagles, a 7-9 and nine underachieving non-playoff team or a 7-9 and nine overachieving team because they lack so much talent in some real important spots? Yeah, I mean, I think if you told me going in the league, I, I picked them six and ten. So if you told me coming in the season they'd be seven and nine, I would say slight overachiever. What the, what happened, as we all know, is they got off to that three and zero start, had that right. you know, one sided win over the Steelers, and all of a sudden people were you know talking ten wins and really getting ahead of themselves. They they, they beat two pretty bad teams, and then they they did they did just smoke the Steelers, and that's why everybody got all excited. But that, you know, it couldn't camouflage on the offensive line. And the receivers, I mean, they just don't get open. Um, the secondary had some issues. Um, you know, Barwin had another year that, you know, really I didn't think was very good. Um, um, the secondary, obviously, the cornerbacks. So, you know, I, I would say slight overachieving. Um, and, and all, but, I mean, the, the, the good thing, the best thing is you got to see Wentz for a year and he got the experience and play, you know, the whole – play the whole season and I think that's a that that really helps just just I mean you can't you just can't simulate that from sitting and watching just all the looks they throw at you and 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 the coverages and the you know the uh, and it seemed like he handled audibling and so on very very well um so I think that's very encouraging and I think yeah given the holes in the roster really seven and nine is probably a little better than they should have been so I'll, I'll still say slight overachieving all right, Tom, in our final minute, a uh, two-part question for you. Who wins the Super Bowl? And on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your excitement level in terms of seeing Lady Gaga's Super Bowl halftime show? <laughs> uh, you know, it's one of those things that the, the, the Patriots are the logical pick, but I'd like to see the Falcons win with Matt Ryan, you know, from Penn Charter, et cetera. Yeah, um, me too. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say the Falcons, just, 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 just to be a little different. Um, and uh, Lady Gaga, you know, I'm not a huge fan, but she's she's very sort of, uh, she's done a lot of different things and a lot of different looks and, and been sort of wacky and been very straight-looking yeah. and Elton John-like. So 
Uh, I'll say a five. I'll, I'll be generous. I'll say a five out of ten. <laughs> okay. Sounds good, Tom. All right, Tom. Well, hey, we used up your time already, and we certainly appreciate you joining us for the sixth time and hope we can do it again in the playoffs maybe. Sure. Anytime, guys. Thank you so much. All right, Tom. Tom, Thanks. All right, Chad. Hey, it's trivia time. We will be giving away those two signed 8x10 color photos of Flyers two-time Stanley Cup champions Bobby Taylor and Terry Crisp. Signed at Carl's Cards and Collectibles in Havertown. The shopforkisses.org phone line to answer that trivia question, 929-477-2855. Chet, like I said, unless you've been off the planet, you're going to know this answer. Here's your question. We all know that Wayne Simmons won the NHL All-Star Game MVP last Mm -hmm. weekend. He joined Reggie Leach, so that's not the answer. As the only flyer uh, to ever we win the award, that would have been really mm-hmm. too easy. Yeah. What year did Reggie we- Leach win the award? Okay, I know. And it's been in it's been in every article since Sunday. Okay, uh, let's give these things away. All right, we all know that Wayne Simmons won the NHL All-Star Game MVP last weekend, joining Reggie Leach as the only Flyers to ever win the award. What year did Reggie Leach win the award? Simple enough, Chet. Let's do it. Come on. All right. Okay, well, let's thank thank our sponsor, ShopForKisses.org, the online shopping network of the Kisses for Kyle Foundation. By logging on to www.ShopForKisses.org's website, you become connected to over 3,000 stores, including all the big ones you already shop at. Every purchase made gets your cash back, and each purchase benefits the Kisses for Kyle Foundation, which helps families dealing with childhood cancer throughout the Delaware Valley. If you have any questions, contact Bob Sullivan at bobsullivan.shopcom at gmail.com or give him a call at 484-319-8043. All right, Chet. Hey, hopefully these callers are going to call in. But in the meantime, we're going to move on. And uh, you had a chance to sit down with former Villanova All-American who played briefly for the Eagles before settling into a real nice 10-year career with the Atlanta Falcons and is now host of the Front Row Morning Sports Talk Show in Atlanta, Brian Finnernan. Yeah, Brian is one of the three hosts of the front row on a great sports talk station down there with another one of the hosts being an old friend and long-distance colleague of mine from a few years back. You'll hear about that in the interview. So are you ready to hear from Brian? Yeah, let's hear what he's got to say. I'm sure he's happy to be joined here on Philly Press Box Radio by a former Villanova All-American and ex-Eagle, 1999, a longtime receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, now doing sports talk radio down in Atlanta, Brian Finner. And Brian, welcome. Thank you very much. Good to be a part of the show. Hey, Brian, this just in. The Falcons are in the Super Bowl for just the second time in franchise history. What's the excitement level down there in Atlanta? It's crazy. It really is. It's just electrifying what's going on with the fans and people around the city of Atlanta and the opportunity to show you know the nation that this is, truly is a football town. And if the team can pull this thing off and you can bring a championship back to the city of Atlanta, I think you're going to see fans absolutely lose their mind because we had a pep rally Sunday doing it at Atlantic Station down here in Atlanta, and thousands and thousands of people giving a send-off to the football team. Really fun to see them get excited about it. Well, I can tell you for a fact, Brian, that the great majority of fans in the Philly area are pulling for the Falcons, thanks in part to your quarterback. <laughs> and your final three years in the NFL happened to be the first three years for that young man from Exton and Penn Charter, Matt Ryan. He's one of those rare quarterbacks, I guess, who was able to start and succeed right from the get-go as a rookie in 2008. But he's played at a higher-than-ever level this season, has he not? Oh, he totally has. He's always had it in him. His first couple of years in the league, 8, 9, and 10, we were a run-first football team. We were led the league in rushing with Michael Turner. I think Mike T had 19 touchdowns one of those first three years, and it was based off of that run-play-action type stuff. And uh, we didn't ask Matt to throw very much. We knew he was capable of it, but you didn't ask him to. So as he progressed and got older and matured, Dirk Cutter came in about his fifth or sixth year in the league, and we threw the ball all over the place. Had a couple nice seasons. The wins and losses didn't resonate what it should have been because our defense wasn't very good, but Matt's always had the talent. And now this year, he's absolutely put it all together. Wins, doing a great job. Him and Kyle Shannon on the same page. Knows the offense inside and out. It's been a thing of beauty watching him throw the ball over the field. 
And, of course, it helps to have weapons like Julio and Muhammad, I guess. Yeah, it certainly does. And then it really helps when you got guys like Taylor Gabriel and Aldrick Robinson and Justin Hardy who step up sometimes out of nowhere and make plays for this football team. You throw a couple of tight ends in the mix as well, and Hooper and Toy Lolo, and you got a whole bunch of guys you can throw the ball to. And then you don't want to forget about the running backs out of the backfield who, you know, combined for over 2,500 total yards and 24 touchdowns this season. So there's a ton of weapons for Matt's disposal, and he's used them all fantastically this season. Now the problem is you're playing a team in the New England Patriots that has a little bit of experience in Super Bowls. What is the key to beating Belichick, Brady, and the Patriots? I think he first <laughs> got to score more points than him, which is hard <laughs> to do. And you just got to stay within yourself. You can't turn the ball over. You can't give him extra possessions. You can't have a bad punt and give him a short field. You can't do the little things that you might be able to get away with in a regular season game when you're playing a game like this against the uh, New England Patriots and Belichick and Brady. So you really have to be good. I mean, really, really mind your P's and Q's and be on point with the game plan. And I think they're focused and they understand it. The good news is Dan Quinn, this is the third time he's been there, the head coach of the Falcons, has been to this situation, been in a Super Bowl three times in the last four years. So really, really impressed with what they're doing. I think they're going to handle the situation just fine. Now, with Atlanta in Super Bowl 51, I still wonder how the heck the Eagles beat the Falcons back in November. But I do want to ask you, what are your impressions of Carson Wentz? I like Carson. You know what? Every once in a while you get a bad game. I think that was not taking anything away from the Philadelphia defense and how well they played, but the Falcons just were not on. They're on the road, kind of a funky week. I think they had extra time coming off of this Thursday night game from Tampa Bay. So they just didn't play well. Carson Wentz, prototypical size, arm strength. Seems like he's got a good head on his shoulder. I love Doug Peterson. He was my quarterback up there in Philly when I was there for a brief moment. And he gets the game. He understands it. I think that West Coast vibe and feel is good. I think Carson Wentz will have some success for sure. I was going to ask you about that uh, very thing, Doug Peterson. He was your quarterback for much of 1999 before Donovan McNabb came in and took over. Did you ever think back in 99 that Peterson would be a head coach someday? Uh, you know what? You kind of get a feel. The guy backed up a lot of a lot of guys. I think he backed up Marino and Miami and Favre and Green Bay and came in over with uh, Andy Reid in 99. So you, got, you kind of got an idea. A lot of times those backup quarterbacks are really, really savvy and smart and understand the game so well. And when Doug got that opportunity to start, there was always a sign there that he was he had the ability to go coach, and, and it just was a matter of want to, and he's done a great job. And then you were a go-to receiver in the early 2000s for Michael Vick. Seems like you guys had a great rapport. What do you remember most about playing with Mike? Well, Mike was the greatest athlete physically that I played with, physically gifted, uh, throwing the football as far as he wanted to on the football field, making guys miss in the pocket so fast, so quick, so much athleticism. You know, he was so much fun to play with. It was tough at times as a receiver because you look back and you look for the quarterback standing in the pocket and he's not there anymore. He's outside the pocket running around trying to make plays for his football team. So from that standpoint, it was tough, but it made it fun and it gave receivers an opportunity to make some sports center type catches at times. And he was the ultimate competitor. I'll give him that. And he's gone on record to say that he wishes he would have studied more, done more early in his career, but he never lacked for competitive edge and juices. He was always out there. And when he was on the field, we always had a chance to win. Hey, switching gears as a Villanova guy and basketball fan, how much fun was it for you doing color commentary for the Nova team stream last April at the Final Four? And then, of course, having an up-close view as they won the championship. I called it my favorite sports moment. I've been through a lot of sports, wow. hearing the Falcons and growing up and everything else. But to sit there and be able to call the national title game for my alma mater and be as biased as I wanted to be, forget mm-hmm. about it. It was the most special thing to see Chris Jenkins hit that shot right in front of me like he was in my lap. It was special. They look good this year, too. A nice little win over Virginia on Sunday. So imagine back-to-back. That'd be pretty sweet. It sure would. 20-2 and two and looking good. Speaking of basketball, i got to ask. I know he averages 18 points a game, but how the heck did the Hawks' Paul Millsap get chosen as an all-star reserve over Joel Embiid? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Embiid had a nice game the other day. Some nice stuff on the highlights. But listen, Paul has been doing it for a long time. It's one of those things where you kind of get grandfathered in. Um, so <laughs> yep. you've been there a handful of times, three or four times, and they just go back to the well. Again, he's been good. Paul's been solid. He can be, you know, he's almost a 20-10 guy every night and goes crazy in that quadruple overtime in the night for a nice win down here over the Knicks. So he's a good player. You guys can battle that out up there in Philly. <laughs> I hear you. Hey, as I noted at the top, <laughs> you're doing sports talk radio these days on Atlanta's 680 The Fan and working with someone who's near and dear to me in my radio memory bank, Sandra Golden. From 2011 to 13, while working at Wall Street Journal Radio, I did a couple early morning business news hits on your station every morning and got to interact with Sandra, and we had a blast. So I'm sure she keeps you entertained as well. Oh, big time. She is an absolute 
so much fun to be around, a blast, easy to talk to, understand sports, and fun to have that voice on our station. And like you said, she just she's so funny. And when you get around her, her humor sometimes goes by the wayside, but she keeps us boys honest, that's for sure, on our show. So she's been <laughs> fun to work with. Yeah, give her my best, please. All right, Brian, final, I will. final question. And despite the fact that you played 10 or 11 years in Atlanta and you're working there now, I know you're going to give me an unbiased prediction. So what's the word? How will Super Bowl 51 turn out? I keep thinking somebody's going to step up on defense on both sides of the ball, and it's going to be like a it's through the whole playoff so far. It's like Seattle's defense is really good. They're going to hold the Falcons at, you know, 24 points. And Green Bay's defense is beat up, but it'll be a shootout and this and that. But it hasn't been the case both times. Atlanta blew doors, and I don't think that's going to happen again this time. But I like Atlanta in a close one, a 34-31 type outcome. They're just playing so well on both sides of the football right now. They're tough to stop. I like the way you think, and I hope you're right. To be honest, I'll be rooting for the Falcons. All right, Brian, this, is, right. this has been loads of fun. Good luck to the Falcons, and thanks for visiting Philly Press Box Radio. Enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Good stuff, Chet. Yeah, Brian was great. Good, good talking to him. Sounds like a great guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you, and you can tell he, he's excited about what's going on, going on down there, and uh, they're having fun in Atlanta. Well, hey, it's like Philly, you know, looking for that first Super Bowl, so maybe they'll get theirs, and hopefully the Eagles get theirs in the next couple of years. There you go. Well, hey, Brian obviously was a great lead into our resident pro football expert. Let's get him going. Yeah, so let's do it. Let's hit that music. It's bread and butter time with our special guest, Pro football resident expert Fred Hugo <laughs> joining us again tonight. Fred, it's, expert. the time has come. The time has come. You can't get a better intro than that. <laughs> the time has come for the Super Bowl. Falcons, Patriots, and I know you've broken this game down every way it can be broken down. So tell us first what it's going to take for the Falcons to do to win this game, and then we'll follow up with the Patriots and, and what it's going to take for them to win this game. All right, great. Yeah, it's, you got an extra week to look it off. So I'm doing the Falcons, and you guys are doing the Patriots. Is that what you're saying? Right. Oh, you can do it all. <laughs> I was just curious. But anyway, as far as it, it goes for uh, for the Falcons and, and, and what they got to do to beat the Patriots, the, the problem is you don't know what to do to beat the Patriots because Belichick is so unpredictable. I heard um, McNabb actually on Mike and Mike this morning and he said all week they prepped for the 3-4, and they were all set to go in for the 3-4, and they come into the game, and the Patriots come out with a 4-3 defense. And he's like, wow, well, well, here goes the game plan. Like, what, what do we do here? So I think number one for, for the Falcons is they've got to be ready for anything. They've got to be ready to adjust, and whatever Belichick comes out with or whatever scheme he has, whether it's doubling Julio Jones or stopping the run or whatever he decides, they've got to let the Patriots pick what they're going to do, and they have to pick their poison, if you will, and then exploit whatever side that the Patriots are going to, going to let them um, offensively give up, you know. I think another huge, huge factor is they're going to have to protect Matt Ryan. If, if Matt Ryan doesn't have time in the pocket um, – or no, yeah, if he doesn't have time in the pocket, their, their secondary is just not – not good enough that he'll pick them apart or he'll get sacked all, all day long. You know what I mean? But if he has time in the pocket, the Patriots secondary, I, I in my opinion, is a little overrated. He'll be able to make plays. And then the main thing is defensively, they, they have to get to Brady. They have to put pressure on the quarterback because there's, there's no way that their secondary is going to be able to, if, if Brady has time, he'll just pick them apart. Their secondary is just not good enough. What do you guys say about the Patriots? Oh man, you know that's that's you hit it right on the head with Belichick. He's got uh, two weeks to prepare. The guy's a genius, whether you like him or not. He, he is a genius when it comes to football coaching, and that's the one big hesitation that I have in terms of making my pick is just the whole Belichick factor. Because on paper, I think the Falcons have the better team, but when you give him two weeks to prepare for even a high-powered offense like that, it makes it kind of difficult. So. That's why I'm kind of hedging right now, and I'm going to hold off on my pick till we get uh, you know, five minutes from here. So, Bill, what do you think about it? <laughs> well, you know, I think that obviously the Brady, the Brady Belichick combination is something special, and you know we haven't we haven't ever seen that before. The thing of this game that really um, 
has me really curious, I guess is the right way to put it, is I really thought Pittsburgh would put pressure on Brady, get him dirty, make him have to do things off of his game, and they absolutely did not have a chance. They out-schemed them, they out-blocked them, they outdid everything to the Steelers, who I thought were a pretty good defense and would play them, you know, old Steeler football with them. Uh, so that game plan preparation and that offensive line work really has me a little bit leaning more toward the Patriots than I really thought I would be because I like what Atlanta does. So, uh, you know, and I think, I think it's more, I think we probably agree, it's more can Atlanta stop New England more than can New England stop Atlanta. And then also New England is like with the at least there's there's only one team that that really stopped Atlanta and, and uh, re, it was the Eagles and what did they do they I mean yeah. Atlanta was off but but the Eagles ran the football and they uh, and they played solid defense going into the fourth quarter the Falcons had nine points so I think Belichick's gonna time of possession is gonna be huge to keep that Falcons offense off the field as well. I agree, I agree. Fred, I haven't seen the latest line. Is it still three points in favor of the Patriots? And what is the over-under? Yeah, it is still three. That line has not moved, and most of the money is on the Patriots. I think it's like 68%. And then the over-under, I don't know what it was last week. I think we were at 58 and a half. So, yeah, we're at 59 now, so it went up a half point. Yeah, I'm just looking down. I'm seeing both 58 and a half and 59. So, okay. Uh, that's the highest right. ever for a Super Bowl. Yeah, yep. Well, like I told you, I always try to put a score when I see that. That that's thirty-one twenty-eight, right? Makes fifty-nine. So they're they're definitely thinking it's a it's a high-scoring game for sure. Well, Fred, I got you who are my block pool. <laughs> Who's it going to be? Go ahead, Bill. Hi, right, Fred. You ready to make your pick? You want me to go first, or how are we doing this? Oh, that's right. Well, you're, 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 you're the, the champ, winner. Right? You were the winner yeah, champ I am the of champ. the playoffs. You're up. My, I am the champ. Fault. We don't need any music, but uh, uh, you know <laughs> what? I actually put some thought into my playoff picks, which is perhaps why I was 9-1 and one and the big-time oh, champion that I am. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> What, are you going to have Homer Simpson do this for you? <laughs> nah, he, Homer's off this week. I don't know. Maybe it was just dumb luck. I don't know. But no matter how much I look at the stats, read about trends, et cetera, regarding the Falcons and Patriots, I just can't get a good feel about this one. The Falcons are better offensively, even though Tom Brady seems to make everyone look good with the Patriots. The Pats are better defensively and have all that playoff and big game experience. They have Belichick, yeah. But as Brian Finner noted in our interview, uh, Falcons coach Dan Quinn does have a good understanding of the Super Bowl and the Patriots. So what the heck? I'm rooting for the Falcons, and I'm going to pick them too. Even though my head tells me to go with the Patriots, it's going to be like when I was in college and my head said, you shouldn't have that 11th or 12th beer. I did it anyway. And I'm going to go right now and pick the Falcons. Brian Finneran said 34 or 31, but since I have the number combination 5 and 7 in one of the box pools I'm in, I'm going to say Falcons 35, Patriots 27. That's good, Chad. I, I'm putting my score in line with uh, my block pull as well. <laughs> That's funny, but yeah, this game—it's—it's it's such a—it's so hard. You go back and forth with it because you can—you can look at it both ways. But you really you got the top scoring offense against the top defense as far as points allowed goes. But you, we forget though the Patriots. It's not like the Patriots' offense is some some bad offense. I mean, they're third. They're ranked third in score, points scored, so they're still oh, yeah. good. And over the over the season. The Falcons' defense has really been, been terrible. I think uh, 27th it was the last time I looked up the stat. They were around like 20, either way, the late 20s there. So when you, you look at it, I, we always look at the defense. Me, anyway, I look at the defense. Defense wins championships. And there's six times in history that this has happened. The top scoring offense faced the, the uh, best points allowed defense. And five out of six times, the defense won. That one time, though, it was it was Joe Montana and Jerry Rice who were who were, were they speak for themselves those names going out. And statistically, right now, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones look like Montana and Rice. It's just, statistically, I think Jones is the first receiver to do this in the playoffs back to back weeks uh, since Rice. What he's doing, so 
I think it's defense wins championships, but in my opinion, the, the Patriots defense, it's, it's overrated. And I, I don't think their, their past defense is as good as they seem. They, they've not seen a, an offense like the Falcons. And then on top of that, I think what's totally being overlooked is the Falcons defense in the last six games, they've been hot. I think they've given up 19 points per game and th- that's really good for them. They're, they got speed, to, to be all over the field, and if they can get pressure on Brady, I think they will. I like like what Brian Finneran said, Dan Quinn's the third time in, in four years in the Super Bowl. I, I'm, I think it's going to be high scoring, but I, I think the, the Falcons can do this, and I'm going to go with 38-24 Falcons. All right. Wow. Wow. I don't want to give the impression it's a blowout either. I think it'll be close to the end, yeah. and then they'll just, like, pull away with a score there. Well, They'll love that stat about five out of happen, six times boys. the defense won. Yep. Here's what's going to happen. Defense does win championships. There you go. And that's why the Patriots are going to win this game. But not because they stopped the high-powered Falcons as much as the key to this game is going to be turnovers. They may both of these teams may give up points, but the team that creates the turnovers in the critical times of the game, well they're all critical times of the game, are what's going to win this game. I'm going to stick by the Patriots because I'm not going to go against Tom Brady just because I went against everybody else and I lost with him. So I'm going to stick with Tom Brady. I would like to see Atlanta win the game. I love Julio Jones. I I think he's fantastic. I'd like to see Atlanta win the game, but I'm going to go Patriots. 28-24, and the game will be decided by points off of turnovers. It will be, when it's all said and done, you can look at whether it's a high score and a low scoring game, but the defense is going to win the championship. Yeah, good point. Well, there. we all see a pretty exciting game, at least, so I hope we're right about that. Well, and I do, too. I was going to say that. I hope, you know, the playoffs have been a dud. And I hope this one isn't a dud to go with it. Uh, I'd like to see another game like that Packers-Cowboys game that went right down to the end. That was, that was a lot of fun that day. And for the record, I'm looking forward to Lady Gaga because I think she's quite an entertainer. So I'm just throwing that out there. Fred, do you have a Lady uh, Gaga uh, point of view there? <laughs> not really. I'm just, I hope they don't get all political on there. That's my only worry. I'll, I'll just leave and go chug a couple beers if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. And by the all way, right, by Fred, the way hey. I, I don't – I don't drink 11 or 12 beers anymore. That was in my younger days. I can't do that anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Fred, we appreciate all your hard work throughout the season, breaking down all the games. And uh, we'd like to have you come back one more time last, uh, next week, and we'll talk about how this game played out. And uh, you available to do it one more time? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it. That's awesome. We definitely got to go over how, how, how the results go. And I appreciate you all having right. me on all year. It's been fun. Okay, sounds good. Appreciate your work, and uh, we will talk to you then. All right, see you then. Okay. Hey, do that trivia question again, Bill. Trivia question, one more time. Come on. Do we not have a winner at a trivia? We do not. Come on, everybody. Where Where are you? All right, here we go. We all know that Wayne Simmons won the NHL All Star Game MVP last weekend, joining Reggie Leach as the only Flyers to ever win the award. What year did Reggie Leach win the award? It doesn't get any easier than that, Chet. And the phone number? No, the phone number. You want that, too. Okay. Yep. Let me uh, let me find that in my piece of paper. I got it. it. Is. I, I thought you should have it memorized, man. Uh, I do, but I don't want to say it wrong. 929-477-2855. All right, That's hey, it. Chet. It's random QT time, Q2 time. And since I don't know anything about it, uh, what's going on in your creative mind? Tell us what this is all about, random this Q2 just, time. <laughs> this just came to me over the weekend. I don't know what I was doing at the time, but I just wanted to do this as a little experiment in which I'm going to ask you, Bill, two random questions each week over the next ten shows. The first question will be about a sports topic, something timely whenever possible, while the second question will be one of ten random questions. All ten of those are written down about whatever. So Bill will pick a number from one to ten each week for that second question, and we're going to limit the segment to two minutes total. Now, in the process of all this, we'll learn more about you, Bill, and we'll have some fun at the same time. After the ten weeks, I'll explain 
uh, in full detail the reasoning behind this, and we'll decide if we want to continue with it. So if you're all set, here we go. Our week go one sports question, Bill, our week one sports question has to do with, of course, the Super Bowl, and the question is, for future years, should the NFL keep the Super Bowl schedule exactly the way it is, move the game to Saturday night so we can all recover on Sunday, or keep the game on Sunday but convince the U.S. government to move President's Day up two weeks to ensure that the great majority of us have the following day off? What do you think? <laughs> I'm gonna. That's an easy one for me. I'm going for Sunday night. Keep it the way it is. Play hard. Get up. Go to work on Monday morning like you're supposed to, and. Uh, Keep things just the way they are. Okay, easy enough. Uh, yeah, I think the bottom line for me is that as well. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. A lot of people are going to take the day off anyway, so what the heck. Now, for your second question, Bill, here's the way we do it. Pick a number from 1 to 10. 1. Oh, I didn't expect that. I thought you were going to go somewhere in the middle. You surprised me. So right at the, off the top, number 1, and this is an easy one. Well, I mean, it should be an easy one. What is your favorite Bruce Springsteen song? Oh, uh, you know, that's not quite as easy because there are about three that I really, really like. But I got to go with the anthem. I got to go with Born to Run. All right, give me your second one, too. What the heck? What's your second one? Thunder Road. Oh, great choice. Love Thunder Road. That would be one of my top three of all time uh, among him anyway, his songs. Uh, I love Rosalita as well. So you went Born to Run and, and, and Thunder Road. Yeah. And Badlands. Another great one. I mean, yep. there's so many. Those are my. They would be my top three in any order, but I'm going to go with the anthem because uh, it's the anthem. There you go. And next week you can pick from uh, one of the remaining nine, and that's it. That's how we play Random Q2. I'm going to learn some things about you that I never knew before. So there you have it. Well, you know what? That That's all good until we you throw out somebody that I've never heard of or some movie oh, I've well, never heard of. Be, <laughs> it's going to be very, very different second questions every week. It's not all going to be, you know, what's your favorite or what's your least. It's going to be totally different stuff. So you'll see all next right. week. Hey, good stuff. I'm I'm up for it. Let's do it. We'll have some fun with it. But, all hey, right. Chet, I, I did have another thing on the list I wanted to talk to you about before we get too far along. Hockey 100. The, uh, the NHL picked their 100 greatest NHL players, and what they did is they, they – picked basically 33 they called legends, and then they filled out the list with 67 more modern-day players starting in the 70s uh, since mm -hmm. expansion. And three flyers, Bernie Perrant, Bobby Clark, Eric Lindros, uh, basically full career flyers, we'll call them, right. all made that list of 100. Um, and it is a tremendous list. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I like the way they did it. To be honest, I totally missed the uh, early January, I guess, uh, unveiling of the, the 33. But, uh, yeah, the big news last week was the other 67, which filled out the top 100. Three Flyers, of course, obvious choices. Then you had the other guys who played, you know, for a year, year and a half with the Flyers, like Paul Coffey, um, Chris Pronger, Yarmer Yager had that great season for the Flyers. He's still playing, of course. Uh, Peter Forsberg, you know, those kind of guys. Some of the names, of course, were obvious. Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, Brad Park, Ken Dryden, Tony Esposito. Um, all in all, I think they did a pretty good job. But then you have people, of course, complaining about the omissions. And if you're a Flyers fan, you wonder, why the heck isn't Mark Howe on this list? Why isn't Bill Barber up there? Do you think those guys are both worthy of you know, being at least considered for the top 100? I do. Oh, I, I absolutely do. And when you look at the list, you know, I, I really tried to look at more of the older guys because of Barber. But you look at the list of guys. I'll run this through you really quick. This mm -hmm. is from the 70s. Bobby Orr, Brad Park, Larry Robinson, Serge Savard, Ken Dryden, Tony Esposito, Bernie Perrant, Bobby Clark, Marcel Dion, Phil Esposito, Jacques Lemaire, Stan Makita, Jobert Perot, Jean Rattel, Daryl Sittler, Yvonne Cornoyer, Bob Ganey, Bobby Hull, and Guy Lafleur. Who do you drop off that list? Yeah, that, that's tough. I mean, you you can't really. They're they're all pretty darn great. Yeah, and, I mean, and and certainly in my mind, Bill Barber should be on that list. But if that, and I don't even know how many that was, but if there was a limit, let's say that's fifteen, and there was a limit, boy, I don't know who you would knock off there. But if you could add an extra name, certainly Billy Barber 
would be on that list. And and you know, I mean, just look, House, just looking at the names, you know, seeing names like Serge Savard and Yvonne Cornway, they were certainly great players, but. I'd have to look out, look at some of their stats, maybe to compare to Barber in like Cornwallis' case, as he was a forward. Um, but off the top of my head, and you know, just uh, just looking at a guy like Bill Barber and what he accomplished, it's just hard to imagine him not being on that list. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think I think with Savard and and Lemaire and Cornwallis and Robinson, Larry Robinson, great player as well. Um, oh yeah. Th- and Bob Gainey, there's a lot of Montreal Canadiens. Guy Lafleur's on there. That's what five, five right off the top who, yeah. who played for the Canadians back in the day. And I, I have to think that that carries a lot of clout too. Yeah. Now for me, just the eye test, I would take Barber over Bob Gainey. Gainey was more of a defensive forward, and you know, not the huge scorer that Barber was, unless I'm remembering it incorrectly. Certainly a big contributor though to all those cups that they won. Absolutely. And and the same with a guy like Larry Robinson, great player, solid, tough oh, yeah. guy, um, you know. And and you know now I think Mark Howell the same. I I certainly think Mark Howell belongs on that list. And uh, but but that was at a time where the the NHL went a little bit more offensive, as they say. And yeah. Mark Howell was as good a defenseman as there was. He certainly was. Only six active players on that list, by the way. Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Yager, who, who I'm, I think is going to be active forever, Yarmie Yager. He's never going to retire. Uh, Duncan Keith, Taves, and uh, Patrick Kane. You can't argue with any of those guys either. So it's tough whittling down a list of so many great players to 100. So I, I don't envy the guys who had to put this together. But then you see all the names that aren't on there. You know, Cam Neely, uh, Evgeny Malkin. Joe Thornton, Ed Belfour, a lot of guys that they had to leave off. Theo Fleury, guys who are certainly tremendous Hall of Fame caliber players. Yeah, absolutely. And like I say, you're trying to you're trying to take what 100 years of hockey and pick out 100 guys. Yeah, you know, and really only 67 guys from the from the last 50 years. That is awful, awful tough. But it was fun looking at all these names and, you know, thinking back to all the great rivalries the Flyers had in the 70s and 80s with a lot of these Canadians and Flyers and Boston Bruins. So a lot of familiar names on there for sure. Yeah, and if you, uh, you know, NHL.com has that whole entire list posted. Uh, NBC Sports has a real good, has it all broken down. That's the one I have in front of me. Has it broken down by decade. Uh, of the different guys that they brought in. And, you know, what else is interesting, too, is, is to kind of look at decade to decade and say, man, look at that that group. And then you look down here at this other group that's got Gretzky and Bossy and Kerry and uh, Coffey and Salming. I mean, great players, you know. And yeah. then you have Lindros and Shanahan and Robitaille and Stevens and another group. I mean, it's just tremendous players. I mean, it was funny when I first saw the headline uh, when the news came out. It said nine flyers were on the list. But, of course, it was only the three big names, Perrant, Clark, and Lindros, and six guys who, as we said, just kind of had a cup of coffee with the team. Right, right. But it, it was a lot of fun and uh, certainly quite an honor for, for those three and certainly not surprised that the three of them got there. And uh, they those three certainly brought a lot of um, excitement to us as fans over the years, too, and uh, and all three legends here in Philadelphia. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, hey, Chet, we, have, we do have a couple more minutes, um, and I'm going to let you gloat one more time because there's, the articles are starting to come out, starting to turn a little bit about this Joel Embiid thing going on and sitting out games and – you know they're starting to. You know they lost a couple games. Um, you still, you still real. You still think uh, the process is the process? Oh yeah, I'm all for it. But I'm just worried about you know the fact that he's had to take a lot of games off because it's one little injury or another. I know they have to protect him and make sure he's as healthy as he possibly can be. But you know first he has uh, the obvious you know feet problems and they take it slow with that. Then he's got uh, some other injury. Then he's got the knee contusion last week. Although he was healthy enough to play for the national TV game against Houston, but now they're keeping him out for a few games, including back-to-back games in Texas against Dallas and San Antonio. Hoping he's back for the weekend, we shall see. But yeah, things are going great. I mean, they were ten and five in January. Cleveland was what six and seven. They're only the sixth worst team now, record-wise. So 
they're still very much in the lottery picture. They're four and a half or five games out of the final playoff spot. As we said before, I don't care if they make the playoffs this year. Um, but, yeah, things are certainly looking good. They're looking like a much better team than they were even in, you know, November, early December. Yes, they are. Hey, Jet, we have to throw out there about our Philly PressBoxRadio.com website. Still going great. Still keeping it up. A couple uh tennis article by you. You had tennis. You had the Oscars. <laughs> we threw a... We threw a Philadelphia Union article in there this week. We got it all covered for the fans. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you, it's a great way to start your day. You can check the scoreboard for all the Philly pro and college teams. Read our pieces about the Philly sports scene and beyond, like the Australian Open, uh, plus stories from philly.com, nj.com, and elsewhere. Even click on a box to hear our last couple of shows. If you are a fan of Philly sports, pretty much all you need. And, Bill, I think we may have a caller for the trivia question. Shall we check it out? Let's go. All right. Hey, this is Philly Press Box Radio, and if you can hear us, who do we have on the line? Joe. This is Big Joe hey, Roberts. Joe. And I don't John. care about like winning no 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 contest. All I wanna know is what is the menu for the Super Bowl for <laughs> my man Jim Chesco and Bill Furman, who I love and Mary Furman will get mad at me if he has anything that has cholesterol that goes up. All I want to know is, <laughs> what is the menu for the Super Bowl? All right, for I'm me, I'm going to my brother's I'm going to make it easy, Big John. What we did, we've, we've done in my house is we're going through all of the food postings that John Roberts made this week. We're going to accumulate them all for Sunday, and that's what we're going to have. And, I want to and for me, lots, lots of wings. Lots of wings, baby. I love Jim Chesco and Bill Furman, and I'm going to have a pizza, a Italian hoagie, and listen, my prediction, the Atlanta Falcons, they have the firepower, they're going to win. You heard it first. All right. Uh, all right, bro. Hope you're right, Big John. Love you. Thanks, you John. Take these, man. <laughs> All right, good job. Hey, Chad, hey, uh, you, you're you on a roll. You're on a roll for the guests. Uh, who we have lined up for next week? We got something going on. Well, for next week, we're going to have Fred back on with us to talk about what we hope is a fantastic Super Bowl. And we'll be joined live by a great guy who is not only a huge Eagles fan, but someone who does all of the fun stuff for the Barkan Family Healing Hearts Foundation, which has an awesome fundraiser event on the calendar for a week from Saturday. That would be our pal, Mike Barnes. Nice. All right. Always good to have Mike. And uh need to remind him that I need to see him at uh, spring training again this year. Looking forward to it. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's get to our signing updates of Carl's Cards of Collectibles. Next up, Carl's two-time Stanley Cup champion Bill Clement will be in February. And also, private signing with Flyers legend Bob Clark. Carl needs all the items in his possession no later than March 1. So you've got a month to get them to him. Uh, but be sure you do or you're going to miss out. Also, you can get all your framing of your memorabilia done at Carl's as well. For details, go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on Carl's Cards and Collectibles banner at the top to go directly to Carl's website for all the details. Or stop by at Carl's Cards and Collectibles, 22 West Eagle Road in Havertown, PA, or give Carl a call at 610-789-4000. Nine nine six. You can also contact Carl on Twitter at Carl's Cards. Mr. Chesco, a quick parting shot tonight. Well, I'm going to have to cut it short because of time. It was basically uh, about people being nicer to one another on Facebook and taking better care of themselves and quit complaining about everything that's bothering them, every little thing. Be nice. And speaking of health issues, Bill, the date February 3rd, 2016 probably has meaning for you. I want to ask, how the heck are you doing just uh, just about a year later? I am trying to do my best. It is actually February 4th, but you're very close. And uh, it is it is a vet anniversary on my calendar, absolutely. Trying to do better every day. Yep, and thanks, uh, a heart attack a year ago, and uh, you're taking good care of yourself, and I love to hear that. All right, brother. Hey, we are at the top of the hour, and we want to thank our special guests, Tom Moore, Brian Finnernan, Fred Hugo, Carl's Cards and Collectibles for their continuing support of the show, and our sponsor, ShopForKisses.org, the online shopping network of the Kisses for Kyle Foundation. 
For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, February 8th. You can listen through our Facebook page or on phillypressboxradio.com or on both iTunes and Stitcher. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans.